Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Welcome to My Millennial Property. You're with John Pigeon, and we've got rid of Glenn James today, uh, but we've upgraded and we've gone to the great Emily Wallace. Welcome, Emily. I'm not sure about an upgrade, but I appreciate the compliment. Thank you. Yeah. Look, uh, it gives the gives listeners a bit of a laugh anyway, doesn't it? So, yeah, look, uh, we obviously have had you on a few times now. You are on the last episode, and we did that good a job that you're back again. So... Uh, we're talking today about our budget being realistic when we buy. It's a really important one, isn't it? The old spondula, how much have we got and how much are we prepared to spend? Definitely. And I think, you know, what does it look like? Because it can be so varied at any price point of what that money can buy you. So hopefully for listeners today, we can unpack that in more detail and help them to understand some things they, practical things they can do to understand if their budget is actually realistic. Totally, totally. Before we pull that apart, we uh, we must thank Wellman Finance, Sean and the team down in Melbourne for their ongoing support of this uh, property podcast and we couldn't do it without their team and their help. So yeah, if, you, if you're wanting to get a loan, then put Wellman Finance obviously in the mix. Uh, he's locked down in COVID as we speak, but that doesn't mean he can't email or phone you and, uh, and his team can help you out in the best way possible. So if you want to get in touch with them, wellmanfinance.com.au forward slash M3, and that will sort you out. So let's get straight to the point, Emily. Our budget being realistic or not, what are the indicators to check whether it is or it isn't? So I think this comes about in the research phase of property, whether you're an investor or a first-home buyer or an upsizer, downsizer. I think if you haven't been in the market day in, day out, it's really hard to know what that dollar figure translates to in a property. So I think the best thing you could do as a first step is enter that research phase and start to look at properties online with your budget in mind. So you let's just take an example. You might have 700000 and you're in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane. You're looking to buy a place. I would be looking on realestate.com or domain for properties that have the number of bedrooms you want with a maximum of 700. That'd be the first thing I'd be going to do. Yep. Then from there, I think you have to do a bit of digging and a bit of tracking. Yeah, so good point. So get online, have a have a look around uh, the areas that you're looking, but then obviously the price point. The thing that frustrates, confuses, annoys me is price guides or yes. going to auction or contact agent, those one-liners that don't give me an indication as to what that, house is really worth. Speak to me about that. Definitely. Well, I think we're very fortunate in Victoria, for listeners in Victoria, that we do have a statement of information that they must provide 
a relevant price guide with comparable properties. But I know that that's not mandated in every single state in Australia and um, particularly uh, in Queensland. It's such a vague contact agents or, you know, open to offers. What does that mean? That means those people unfortunately have to do even more research because the agent isn't really providing you with much. I don't know about you, but I think the reason, the main reason they do that is so you'll pick up the phone and call them. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and I find I'd like to play a bit of a game with that. I, I, I send an online inquiry uh, to the agent uh, with the what is your price and, and and a lot of the times you don't get anything back because as you said, I, th- I agree, I think they want to speak to you in person and get to know you and, and hopefully lead you to the open home and, and away you go. But uh, yeah, I think it, it plays around with people's budgets, doesn't it? Because I, I've, and it is in Queensland that I'm talking to a client at the moment where their, their budget is 450 um, yet they they look on realestate.com and domain They've shortlisted some properties that they want to go and see. By the time they've gone through them and talked to agents and got contracts, they're actually closer to 500k properties when when the indications early were from 450. Well, we're not actually accepting offers at 450, but if you're around 490, then you might be a chance. But my budget was only 450. Yeah, really frustrating for so many buyers when that happens. And I think a way to educate yourself around that is... I often encourage buyers to keep an Excel spreadsheet tracker of the address, the price that they were told by the agent in the first instance, the price you think it's going to sell for, and then the actual price. And I think monitoring the gap, and I wish this was reported, I don't think it ever will be, but the gap between the vendor's expectation and what the market's actually telling us, that percentage, negative or positive, is a key indicator as to how the market's going. So I would strongly encourage people who are thinking about buying something in the upcoming months, start looking now and start tracking that original price point, the price point you think it's going to sell for and then keep a hold of what it actually sold for and is your prediction in line with what it actually went for. Yeah, that's right. So you really are taking ownership that way, aren't you? You're doing some research, as you said, keeping a spreadsheet or something similar, looking at what price it actually goes for, seeing what it was advertised for to begin with. And it also gives you a feeling of what sort of market you're actually playing in. Is it a, is it a really hot market? A, a property is not staying around for long? Is it a, a warm market where it's uh, it's a bit of a balance or is it completely cold where you, you may be able to go in and get yourself a discount. So that 450 example before, well, you may be able to offer 430 in a cold market and actually get a result that way. Definitely. And I think having that, that own data and research on hand, you know, for the general public who probably don't want to pay a subscription to databases and things like that, uh, definitely gives you bargaining and negotiating power when it comes to your purchase because you've got evidence you've walked through, you've kept track of, and you know the properties that are very similar to the one you're about to buy. And now you actually have ammunition. You know what you're on about and you can present that to the agent as you're talking in negotiations if it is a private sale or expressions of interest. Yeah. So good point. I think that's really important. So you're a buyer's agent in Melbourne. You live and breathe it. In relation to budget and playing that middle person between the, I suppose, the agent and the, the buyer, uh, do you get any inside information as to what, what the 
will be accepted as an offer more than what the client would? What's your, what's your experience on that? Well, look, I think generally speaking, agents will say something along the lines of, well, it's price 550 to 600, you know, anything with a six in front of it, it's going to be seriously considered. Uh, anything with a five in front of it, probably going to have to convince the vendor. Sometimes, however, when agents maybe aren't on, a, on the ball as they should be with the general market, particularly if they're an agent who's selling in an area that they're not very familiar with, so they've taken on a property because it's a friend or, you know, a vendor of a past time, sometimes I actually find myself educating the agent on the recent sales <laughs> to let yes. them know. And I actually go to the extent of writing an email and saying, please pass this on to your vendor so they understand where we're coming from with our price and why we're presenting this price. And I would encourage anyone to do that. If you feel like the agent's not being realistic and struggling to relay that to their vendor, put it in writing and just say, hey, FYI, this is where I'm coming from and this is why and I think I'm being fair and reasonable. Can you explain where I'm going wrong? Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Great point. Because, yeah, you're right, the the agent's there for a transaction so they may not have done a, a whole deep dive on the area themselves if they're not comfortable with it. They may have just grabbed a, an RP data report and and thrown the, the price guide or, in fact, gone to the vendor and asked the vendor what they want to sell it for not realizing that that's not even realistic to begin with. Exactly. I think, you know, the, the often the phrase is in the, in the industry that anyone's a seller at a certain price. I mean, you know, mm. I'd sell my place at a certain price for sure. Give me a million dollars for it. That's it might right. only be worth 500000 I'm a seller. So I yes. think it is that expectations on the vendor side but also on the buyer side because, you know, this topic about being realistic of your budget really needs to be that as a buyer, you understand what that equals as much as also the vendors understanding what their property is going to be worth. Yeah, for sure. So one thing I would suggest that the that the potential buyer does is, is look for some comparable sales in the area like for like, apples for apples, but also get that from the agent. Uh, I think, how have you come up with that price? Give me some some, uh, I suppose, some data as to why this is worth what you think it's worth and uh, and then you've potentially got some bargaining power from there or at least get an understanding of what the market is is worth uh, and, and combine that with the heat of the market to then go forward. But one, one thing that I wanted to, I suppose, differentiate was the investor versus owner-occupier when it mm. comes to budget. Right, so there's two parts that I want to thrash out here just briefly is one, owner-occupier not going in emotionally paying too much of it because I love the look of it and I can see how I can design it to, to suit my family. And then secondly, the investor, what yield is it going to present for my portfolio? What are my running costs going to be on that particular uh, investment property? So let's go to the first one for a start, emotion. How how do you stamp that out when you're helping someone find a property? I think the biggest thing, emotion usually equals overpaying. That's just the honest truth that, you know, people getting caught up in the the property they really, really want, their dream home, and you see these hands going up at auction, and it's like, oh, it was on the market 30 grand ago, and you're still putting your hand up, uh, <laughs> is always concerning, I think, and whether it be a, a buyer's agent, doesn't have to be. It can be someone with a level head, a family member or a friend 
who can take that emotion out and come in and, and help you with that because too often I do see first home buyers overpaying. Um, I think, yes, you do pay an emotional price tag and you'll often see at auctions that the investors tap out at a, at a logical point because it doesn't the numbers don't stack up for them. It's a numbers game. No, so, right. you have to be so careful because, yes, you want to make it your home and, yes, it's the one that you love that comes at a price and you need to make sure that price doesn't hurt you financially in the long run. Yeah, and, and Melbourne's known as the sporting capital of Australia, but it's also known as the auction capital of Australia as well. So when you're going to auction, that speaks emotion to the buyer, doesn't it? It's great for the vendor because you've got all this heat over a 15-minute period where potentially the buyer can go and uh, bid 15, 20, 50 grand too much because they're caught up in a in a competitive race to the finish line. So you've really got to keep your hands in your pockets and know what, what your ceiling is there. And we've done previous episodes on how to act at an auction uh, logically, mm. um, but I, I think the, the key point there would be just because you can lend that or the bank will lend you the money doesn't mean you have to use it all up. Totally correct. And I, I think that's it's such a simple thing, but so many people forget it. And uh, you got to have that in the back of your mind because it, it could hurt. It could hurt you in the long run if you do overpay. Yeah, absolutely. Now, not not sure if you work too much with investors in in what you do, but let's talk about investors and the yield of the property affecting budgets. Because I know when when someone what the experience that I've got from clients, they've sold property previous because they can't hold the property financially or cash flow-wise, it's killing them. Usually, that's a result of the mistake they made when they bought, not as a result of five years down the track. So an example might be, uh, my budget is 450000 but I'm not looking at the rent per week to hold that property, and I'm not looking at the running costs of that property or my after-tax position on that property realizing once we've bought it that it might be costing six grand a year to hold and I haven't got that six grand lying around. I'm using my future income to pay for this. It's ruining my lifestyle. The easiest thing to do is to sell it. Yeah, I think that would be a hard position to be in because, I mean, the point of investment is to grow wealth, right? Not to be be going backwards. So, and, you know, certainly I think you would deal with more investors than myself, but the word investor is is to invest it to spend money wisely and if you're overlooking what the rental demand is in the area what the running costs are particularly if you're buying in a an apartment block with body corporates that could have issues they're things you need to be on top of you can't just budget oh you know I'll put aside 4 grand a year and I'll be fine that could blow out of the water massively absolutely yeah, so so when it comes to budget, we're obviously keeping a ceiling on purchase price, but we're also monitoring as an investor what what is this property going to yield and what its running costs are going to be so that, yes, our capital growth will do its thing over the long term, but make sure that we don't have to sell it in the meantime because we've got our cash flow analysis uh, incorrect. Definitely a very, very key part of investing. Can't be overlooked. Mm. All right, so let's, let's round this out. So- Budget, making sure it's realistic. What are you? What are your key takeaways? Key takeaways are: do your homework, get that Excel spreadsheet up and running. If you don't like Excel, you start to love it. Very simple. Put some some uh, key columns in there about 
original price, your expectations, the sold price and what the gap is uh, because that's a more of an indicator than any, any clearance rates. Um, you need to keep a tab on that. Uh, know that. Know your market that you're playing in and have that as ammunition when you're going in to negotiate. When you say know the market you're going into, you're talking about a warm market, hot market, or are you talking particular suburb knowing your research of that market? I think both in that you need to know yep. the details of the suburb, but also, yeah, what are we playing in here? Are we a hot market, cold market, sellers, buyers? Um, mm-hmm. Because obviously that plays into your negotiations. And I think, uh, as we touched on earlier, make sure that the agent is educated about what the property is worth because they could be an out-of-town agent and that can work to your advantage. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, I I like to play a bit of a game with that, just like the online inquiry. I, if I'm out there looking, but I'm, I'm sort of looking, but I'm not full in looking, I like to put offers out there. I'll grab a contract, um, put out an offer straight away, which is a little bit of a low ball, and just see what the general response is. If it's, if it's quite responsive and we're getting a nice feel, yeah, we're, we're not quite there, but we're not uh, not too bad, okay, well, it's maybe a bit of a, a buyer's market here. Um, but if it's uh, almost laughable, then you, you know that it's, uh, it's warmed up a bit and it's probably more of a, a vendor's market in that case. Yeah, definitely. And I think in terms of doing your own research and being on top of things, in addition to that, I would say, obviously, there's professionals in the industry for a reason. And I don't mean for that to say, you know, you should use a buyer's agent. But I think speaking to people who have transacted in that particular market recently is probably your best weapon in understanding it in in its entirety uh, and making sure that you're not overpaying for a property because that's the last thing you want yeah, to do. Fantastic. Well, while we're on that, let's uh, let's talk about your services, your time to shine. Uh, how can we get hold of you if, if someone's living in Melbourne wanting to buy their own home or, or an investment in Melbourne, uh, how can they reach out to Emily Wallace? Certainly. So um, my website is my name, emilywallace.com.au. I'm very active on Instagram and LinkedIn, just really giving everybody free tips. I really, I don't mind if you don't use me. I just my motivation is to educate as many buyers as we possibly can because they're very underrepresented in the market. So yeah, feel free to um, have a look on the old socials and, and check it out. Happy to help in whatever way I possibly can. Absolutely. And I do see a lot of your videos on LinkedIn and you are providing extreme value there. So keep up the good work in that space. Thank you. appreciate that. Very good. So listeners, hope we've found that uh, entertaining and, well, knowledgeable in the, in, the, in the first sense. But yeah, if you're out there thinking about buying, obviously you need your pre-approvals in place. You need to know what you're prepared to spend in the area. You need to know your strategy. You need to talk to agents. You need to get comparable sales. Emily said, get in love with the Excel spreadsheet. So do that. It all comes down to research and and getting that confidence so that you can act uh, in in the right manner before you purchase because these are are lifelong purchases, aren't they? The the transaction Mm. costs of investing uh, in property is so high with your stamp duties and uh, and your agent's costs on selling. So you don't want to be just going in as though it was just another new pair of shoes. Not at all. It's much more than a pair of shoes. You could buy a lot of shoes for the price of a house. <laughs> <laughs> OK, 
correct. Uh, however, some people put less research into that than they do a pair of shoes. But uh, yeah, so yeah, thank you for your support. Thanks, Emily, for coming on once again. We may even get you on a few more times if you're open to it and you've got a bit of time in lockdown. Certainly sounds like a plan to me. Plenty of time in lockdown at the moment. Well, that's uh, M3 Property in a wrap. Uh, thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you soon. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Special thanks to Wellman Finance, our podcast partner. Sean Wellman and his team are available to coach you through your property journey, even if it's your first time. With expertise in investment and home loans, they're in your corner providing education and support as you take each step. For more info, check out wellmanfinance.com.au forward slash M3. If you want to really turn up your property, education and information journey, make sure you check out the Solvair Property and Finance Academy. This is an amazing online resource that John has put together. It's to empower and to give results to people who are either first-time buyers, whether for their home to live in or an investment property, or if you're a seasoned property investor. This online academy is for you. Check out the link in the show notes. It will change your life if you let it. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.